Right, let's go to First John. First John chapter 2. The world. What is wrong with being worldly? And what does it mean to be worldly? Big problem in the church. Church is, let me put it that way. It always has been. It always will be. It's a net that we're talking about spiritual warfare and battle, and this is where one of the big battlegrounds is at. It's this worldly, worldliness, being friends with the world. And even though the Bible is so clear about it, and these verses we're going to read, and countless other verses, plus the principle of separation from the world and the heathen and the ungodly people, the separation of God's people from the ungodly people is a principle that's all the way through the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament, all the way. Genesis chapter 6, when the sons of God saw the sons, uh, the daughters of men that they were fair, you know what that's talking about? Well, a lot of people think that's angels that came down and, and interbred with human. What a bunch of nonsense. That's The sons of God, who are they? Angels ain't the sons of God. No. Who are the sons of God? To as many as believed on His name, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. The sons of God are the people who have, are God's people. Always has been, through every age. That's what happened. Do you understand that? That's what happened that brought about the flood upon the earth and God destroying the whole world. It started with God's people mixing with the world. Y'all see that? Yes, sir. That's how it happened. That's how it started. It always breaks down everything. First John chapter two. Let's read verse fifteen. Uh, we won't go. I won't take time to read more there. But the Bible says real plainly: Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Romans chapter twelve, verse two. Does anybody know what that says? Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You can't do that when you're mixed up with the world, when you're friends with the world, when you're fellowshipping with the world, when you're allowing the world to influence your thinking, your living. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. Wherein in time past, you walked according to the course of this world. What? Did he say time passed? I believe that's what it said. Anybody paying attention? Yes. You used to, not now. This is to the church at Ephesus. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. Same thing. You walk according to the course of this world. You're walking according to the... Uh, prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You walk according to the course of the world. What does that mean? Do like they're doing. You follow their fads. You follow their advice. You follow their counsel. You draw from them, from their wisdom. You look at, follow after them. Listen to them. You allow them to influence you about what's right and wrong. You're following the, the, the prince of the, of the air, of the power of the air. The spirit did now work within the children of disobedience. Not the Holy Ghost, no. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. 
If ye then be risen with Christ, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not on things on the earth. So, <clears throat> the world, what is he talking about? People don't even try to identify it. That's why they can't, they, they don't avoid it. That's why they don't deal with this problem in their lives. They thank the world. It, it, what's spoken of here in all of these verses of Scripture that I just read and some more that I'm going to read is not the created universe, but all that is under the influence and the control of Satan and unregenerate human beings. Are you listening? The world is not the earth and the, and the sun and the moon. and the, That's not the world. The world is not the mountains and the trees and the fish and the seas. That's not the world that he's talking about. The world that he's talking about. That we're not to love. And that if we do love, we don't love him. It's a fact. It's the world. It's this system of the world. It's all that is under the influence of the devil and unregenerate human beings. Now, where, where are we going? Well... That could take all night <clears throat> to just start naming all the stuff. But Satan is the god of this world. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4 tells us that. Little g. He's the god of this world system. He runs things. So, but God is the... It, god intervenes. He, he drowned the whole world one time. Destroyed everything that man had made. He can do that. But he, but the, but the devil is in control of all that goes on on this earth. He's the master planner of this world system. The devil is. It's not Trump and it's not Biden and it's not our Congress and it's not the United Nations and it's not the Illuminati. And none of that. The devil is the master planner of all you see that's going on and always has been. And this includes all that unregenerate men care about. The devil's in control of it. Making money. Controlling others. Power. Pleasing themselves. That's what men are interested in, isn't it? It's what they love. It's what they live for. It's what they chase after. Most people are working this week so they can stay drunk or drugged all weekend. That's all they're working for. All the powers of government, weapons, propaganda, medicine, money, are under the control of the devil. Now that's true. All those things, they're of the world. They're under his control. They're un the greatest influence in every one of those areas is the devil himself. All the means of influence in the world are in the devil's hands. Get that. Communication, entertainment, education, music. He's in control of all of those things. So how often do you sit at his table? How easy do you swallow what he feeds you? Do you check it for anything? Do you ever discern what you're absorbing or what your children are absorbing. You see, this deal of worldliness, it has to do with a new birth. 
Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Now there's the key thing there. If you're not really born of God, the world is going to overcome you. You can make your profession and you can live your religion and you can profess all you want to, but the, the real test of whether, whether you're really born again or not is just whether how the world and you interact. Does the world have more influence on you than you have on the world? Now think about it. That's the gauge. Jesus made it clear that the problem with men is that they love darkness. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. They love darkness. They hate light. That's the way Jesus painted the picture for us. And that's the problem. If, you, if you're of the light, you come to the light. If you're, if you're of the darkness, you flee from the light. You run from it and won't come to it. They love darkness. They hate light. John chapter 3 verse 19. Therefore, all that is in the world... Stay, stays under the control of the devil and all evil beings. It's like we talked about in that message, you know. People that love darkness and hate light vote in the same kind of people as they are. And so the world stays in darkness. And evil stays in the high places. And, and truth, like we said so many times here, truth always on the scaffold and wrong always on the throne is because of the people. That's what they want. They want Barabbas. They don't want Jesus. And so the world stays in darkness. Anything we allow from this world system. Wait a minute, I want to say one other thing here. All that in the world, that is in the world, stays under the control of the devil and all evil beings. And there's nothing to be found. You hear me? In the world's philosophies, wisdom, education, and religion that does not have its source in darkness. Why would the world, how could the world, and its system, its rulers, its leaders, its philosophers, its educators, how could they teach any light when they are darkness? They don't. That's right. You would never send your kids off to public schools or secular colleges if you believed what I just said, if you really believe God? Why would you send them to drink at the devil's fountain? They're not going to get anything good there. Nothing. There's, the influence is going to be much greater on them from the world, the darkness, than from God and the light. And the only way that any of them would ever make it through is if they are truly born again. Because whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Overcometh the world. What does that mean? The world doesn't overcome them. They win. They influence the world more than the world influences them. They influence worldly people more than worldly people influence them. All the followers... Well, anything we allow in this world system and those who belong to it to influence our thinking, if we allow it to influence our thinking and our desires, it's just the bait in the trap that Satan has set for us. And you better, better believe it. The world produces nothing of the light. Hollywood, 
no kind of none of that stuff ever produces right. light. Yes, sir. It's darkness. Yes, sir. And if we go there to get light, we're going to get darkness. Oh, my goodness. Yes, sir. And again, what did we say last week about what does Lucifer mean? Light. Mm -hmm. He's an angel of light. It's therefore no no problem for his ministers to be transformed into uh, into ministers of righteousness. So you see the deceit. I, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here. As followers of Christ, we're to stand. That's what we preached on Sunday morning. And we're to stand for truth and righteousness. Jesus made a striking contrast between those that are of the world and those who are not of this world. In John chapter 15, verse 19, he said, if ye were of the world, he's talking to his disciples, if ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Jesus said that. John chapter 17, the Lord's Prayer. John chapter 17, verse 14, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Then again in verse 16 of chapter 17 of John, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Jesus repeated that over and over. There in his prayer. They are not of this world. So it's what I told you the other day. What Demas did in forsaken Paul because he loved this present world, that's not the same thing Peter did when he denied the Lord. No. You're either of this world or you're not of this world. If you're born of God, you're not of this world. And it will not have that draw on you. Right. And you won't be so ignorant of, of its devices, its inventions, its pull, its bait, its deceit and its lies. You're either of this world or not of this world. And any fellowship, listen to me closely, fellowship with the world or worldly people makes it much harder for us to stand for right. We're to stand for what's right. Stand for truth and righteousness. And any fellowship with this world or people of this world makes it harder for us to stand for righteousness. Now, is that a trick? I mean, is there any doubt about that in any of you's minds here tonight? Is it harder for you to stand for what's right when you're surrounded, when you're alone and surrounded by the world who are, who are skeptics and haters and rebels against God? It's harder, isn't it? It's a whole lot easier in church to stand and testify for God. And a lot of people can't even do that. How are you going to testify for God out there in the world among all the wolves when you can't even say something in church like amen or thank God for His blessings or praise God for saving my soul? Any fellowship with the world or worldly people makes it much harder for us to do right. I said fellowship. I didn't say contact. I didn't say uh, any in the, the, the being around them. We have to be around them. But that's the issue. 
How do we behave around them? What do we do with this difference between us and them? Do we come over to their side? Do we become understanding? Do we allow for them and make a place for them? Do we accept them as they are? No. If you do, the world's overcome you. The world has overcome you. You didn't overcome them. You didn't overcome anything. You didn't stand for what's right. Any fellowship with the world makes it harder for us to identify the world as the enemy of God and the enemy of our soul. I'm hurrying. I hope you all listen. It's important stuff. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 26. The righteous is more excellent than his neighbor, but the way of the wicked seduceth them. That's how this thing works. It happens when we, when we do not go with them, to them with a mission and a purpose to help them find God and truth. Listen to me. This is what happens when we don't go to them as a witness for God. If we just go out there to join them and participate with them in what they're doing, if the salt is have lost his savor. <laughs> yeah. It's worth how much? Nothing. But to be cast out and trodden under the feet of men. It does no good. It does much harm, as a matter of fact. You gotta go. We gotta go to the world. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's the great commission. That's the right thing to do about the world. That's the right thing to, uh, the right way to approach them, to have anything to do with them. We don't fellowship with them. We fellowship with God's people. Brethren, one mind, one accord. They're not of the same mind, not of the same accord. They're different. Does that mean we hate them? Does separation mean that we never have anything to do with anybody? We just, hold off to ourselves and say, I'm a bunch of dirty people out there. We don't want them to touch us. No! This is the problem. It's the dilemma that every preacher has that cares and understands anything about it. When you preach this kind of stuff, you get some people that just go, they go too far both ways. You get, you produce Pharisees that just go around criticizing and judging and hating people. I've heard preachers say they ought to take all them sodomites and put them on an island out there and drop an A-bomb on them. That's what they ought to do. I've heard that from the pulpit. More than once. Show me the justification for that in the Bible. No. No, it's not there at all. But at the same time, is that a sin? It's an abomination before God. It's the it's ruination of a society. It brings the judgment of God on a people. It's terrible. It's wicked. It's filthy. It's wrong in the sight of God. We've got to stand for truth. But we've got to speak the truth in love. And we can't just turn into Pharisees and just want to kill everybody that don't agree with us. Or kick them out of the church. I've had people demand that I make people quit coming to church because they weren't they were sinners. Can you imagine? That is a fact. Yes, I was there. I said, no. We're just, as long as I got anything to do with this, we ain't doing that. A church, a sinner is welcome at church. 
If he'll come and sit and listen. Now, he ain't welcome to get up here and say stuff. And he ain't welcome to get up here and sing or participate in any kind of leadership or anything. But if they want to come and listen, that's what... I, man, that's, I'd rather preach to a house full of sinners any day. Most of the time they listen way better. Not, not insulting y'all. I'm just telling you that's fact all the way around. Every church, everywhere, that's just how it is. So it's a dilemma to try to get people to understand that we got to be separate from the world, but we can't, but we still got to reach out to them. And we still got to care about them. Like Jesus did. But we can't fall in with them. That was the Pharisees' accusation against Jesus. That's how it happened. See, they said he's a friend of publicans and sinners. Oh, if he'd have knew, if he's a prophet, he'd have known what kind of woman that was washing his feet with her tears. He knew. But he didn't go there and join in with them. Everywhere he went, he changed things. And he said, the works that I do shall you do also. And greater works than these shall you do because he sent the comforter. I mean, he sent the Spirit of God. So we ought to be doing what he did times ever how many of us there are. Reaching out to the world. Caring. Helping. Getting ahead of myself. But this, this happens. We, we get seduced by the wicked. Their way subtly creates a desire in our heart for what they have instead of us being the salt of the earth and the light of the world and creating a desire in them for what we have. You see? And you may be born again. But your children may not be. You may be able to go out to the world and, and deal in some of the roughest places, in some of the most dangerous places of the world, but what about your children? I know people who've ministered in places like that lost their children to them because they took them there too. And they weren't strong. They weren't able to withstand. And they didn't stand. We've got to consider that it's not just me and my associations, and my fellowship, and my reaching out there, what i I got to consider those around me too, and how this is going to affect them. Think about that. When we go to where they are, to join in with them, and participate in what they are doing, we learn more about their ways, than they learn about our ways. That's why I, Going to their places of amusement and entertainment. And, uh, I mean, can you imagine trying to be a, a, a Christian witness at a Taylor Swift concert? I've, I've said it before, but I, I knew, I knew of, I never knew the man personally, but that brother Owen's son went to college there. While he was going to college there, this pastor sent the young boys to the beach to soul win, go soul winning on the beach. How do you think that worked out? You think that was a good idea? No, it wasn't a good idea. And it didn't work out well either. The same thing happens when a church creates an atmosphere at the church that makes them feel comfortable like all the churches are doing. You know, we're all casual. We dress casual. That means low, low, 
common, not holy, not reverent, no reverence for the place, for the God of the place, for the people of the place. You dress like you're going to the beach. Dress like you're going camping. Dress like you're going swimming. Yeah. Mike, who's been gone a year now, but he was telling me one time about their association and he was always causing trouble because he protested these things. But he said there was a church down in Florida and they baptized this woman in a bikini. Yeah. And everybody knew it. I mean, it was broadcast all over the place. What do you think about that? Is that proper? Is that acceptable? Where did the idea to do that come from? Where did the lack of discernment, resistance, and all that, where did all that come from? Because of worldly influence. They're around it so much, they see it so much, they don't think anything of it anymore. That's why God judged Israel because the priests and the prophets quit they quit discerning and teaching the people the difference between the holy and the profane. God judged them for it. And that was every time. That was what happened. They just quit making a difference between the world and the, and the righteous, God's people, between good and evil, between holy and unholy, between clean and unclean. They just quit messing with that idea. Just don't preach that stuff. Everybody gets offended with it. Same thing happens when a church does that. Creates an atmosphere that makes them feel comfortable. How can you make people that are living in sin feel comfortable to come to church and hear about a holy God? How do you do that? Well, the church is conforming to the world, which is specifically forbidden by the Word of God in Romans 12 too, which we read a while ago. And the world remains unchanged. Who changes? Churches. Who's changing now, the world or the churches? Well, the church world's changing more and more dark and more and more evil and less and less any knowledge of God or anything morally bankrupt what's happening in the churches. Same thing. Same thing. So who's having the most influence? God or the devil? Well, the devil is because the people in the churches don't recognize the difference anymore between the world and the church. Between worldly people and godly people. They all dress alike. They all use the same language. I saw a thing there today. A guy's supposed to be a Christian using all kinds of profanity and, and filth. <laughs> Don't tell me that you're a Christian. Don't tell me the Holy Ghost lives in you. When that kind of filth comes out of your mouth, it's because your heart is full of it. God has always commanded His people to separate from the world. The Old Testament, New Testament, and, and those are the reasons why. In Exodus chapter 23, verses 32-33, Thou shalt make no covenant with them. He's talking about the people of the land, the Philistines, the Ammonites, all the people of the land, the Canaanites. Thou shalt make no covenant with them. What's a covenant? It's a mutual promise. It's an agreement. It's a... It's a mutual commitment. Don't make no covenant with them. What's marriage? Covenant. What are we? What's the church based upon? It's covenant. Don't do that with them, nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in thy land, lest they make thee sin against me. 
For if ye serve their gods, it will surely be a snare unto thee. Mm -hmm. Stay away from them. Evil communications corrupt good manners. You got to write. We always, when we buy a bag of potatoes, we look at the bottom of it and turn it all around. You know what we're looking for? A rotten potato. Because if there's a rotten potato in there, they're all going to stink. Same way with apples and any other fruit. Don't you all do the same thing? Well, that's just the way it works with people too. Only probably much more, much faster and much more easily. You get around rotten junk and it's going to rub off on you. You ain't going to walk away with no stink on you. And it'll get in you. And it'll get in your children around you. Mm-hmm. Second Corinthians, that's Old Testament. And, and I could read a dozen more verses easily in the Old Testament saying the same things. God told them not, learn not the way of the heathen. Stay away from it. Thou shalt not take their daughters to your sons for us. Uh, wives, and thou shalt not get, uh, take their daughters to your sons for wives. You shall not give your daughters to them for wives for their sons. Stay away from them. You don't intermingle with them. You don't make covenants with them. Was there any people of the land that 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 uh, joined with Israel in worshiping God back in those days? Yes, there was. We know several. There was Ruth. There was Rahab the harlot. We could go on and name more. When they came out of Egypt, there was a mixed multitude came with them. But they stayed separate. That's one thing. <laughs> About how they live in Egypt for 400 years and come out separate. Still a nation. They influenced the people of the land for good when they were right. When they got in trouble is when they started mixing with them. Have you read your Bible enough to realize there's one case after another case? All in the Old Testament showing us just exactly that. And that's how it happened. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through 18. This is very common. We've heard this and heard it and heard it. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship, there's that word again, fellowship, hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? What do you got in common with an infidel? What do you got in common with somebody that hates God, hates God's people, despises the word of God, hates truth, believes lies? What do you got in common with him? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them. Come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty." We going to do that. Friend of the world, the Bible says, if any man be a friend, if any man is a friend of the world, he is an enemy of God. We read there in 1 John chapter 2, 15, 16, 17, love of the world, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You can't serve God and mammon. You either love God or you love the world. You're either of God or you're of the world. 
And it shows. It shows on the outside. It shows in your language. It shows in your attitude. It shows in your spirit. It shows in your clothes. It shows in how you, what you do with your body. Amen. The body is the temple of the Holy Ghost of God. Any man defile the temple, him shall God destroy. Serious business. God cares about this. Anybody that loves God and, and, and longs to see people know God and live for God, they care about this too. What is the proper attitude and boundaries for interacting with the world around us? Second <clears throat> Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12. For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world. And more abundantly to you, Word. You see, you don't get it until the very end there. Conversation in the world. Our walk. Our, our life lived out in the world. In front of them, this is what he said. Our rejoicing is this. The testimony of our conscience. That in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we've lived before them and had an influence on them. And made a difference. That's what Paul's talking about. Now, how, do we, how are we supposed to interact with the world? Secretly? As a Christian, secretly? So they don't know? <laughs> so the other day, the guy said, he asked Jesus if, you know, about putting a fish on his car. Jesus said, why would you want to do that? And he said, so everybody know I'm a Christian. He said, well, let's, why don't we just leave off the fish and just see if they can figure it out by your honesty and your integrity and your character and your, your walk. Yeah. I heard a preacher one time. Uh, so help me, I'm telling you the truth. Yes. She'll tell you. Yep. The girls might remember it. But he was preaching and he said, he said, I don't put no fish on my car. Because he said, I get out there in that traffic and I get mad and, you know, I don't want people knowing that I'm a Christian. I get in the flesh, you know, and I get mad. And, what does he do? Cuss them? Make obscene gestures at them? What does he do? Don't want to fish because, you know, they'd think, well, he's a Christian. Look what he's doing. Fish don't, fish symbol don't tell anybody you're a Christian. What tells them you're a Christian? What Paul just said there. Your spirit, your conscience, your conversation before them, and the grace of God in which you live. That's what it tells them. The people of the world are not our enemies. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. So many times I've read this verse to you, but it says this For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. What are people made out of? Flesh and blood. They're not our enemies. They're not the ones we're struggling against, fighting against. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I looked that up. I was talking about the sky. And he's the prince and the power of the air. And it's interesting to me how that goes in with everything that's happening nowadays. When the big lie that's about to be hefted on everybody. Oh, you better be you better be alert of what's fixing to happen. The devil is the enemy of our soul. The devil is, not them. 
He's the enemy of our soul. He's the enemy of our God. And, but He is in control of every means of mass communication and influence in the world. Do you realize that all the information they get is straight from the devil? You understand that? The news. The social media. Everything comes straight from the devil. It goes through his hands, his uh, over his desk before it comes to all of them. That's all they listen to. It's all, um, and, and you ain't gonna go to Fox News and get the truth, or Drudge Report and get the truth. They're all under the control of the devil. Yes, Anybody can't see that by now. I don't know what in the world to do with you. It's so obvious. Look at these people. They're brainwashed. They. They have believed lies. They're full of lies. That's all they know. What's the cure for that? How do you fix a lie? Truth. How do you help people who are in darkness? Light. They're not our enemy. Don't think of them as our enemy. But think of them this way. They are of this world. And they are under its influence. And they believe in its ways. And they follow its trends and its fads. And all of its uh, the, the sages of the world with, de- with fanatical devotion, like religious devotion. They believe everything the world tells them. And it's just one lie after another. And they find out it's a lie, but that don't stop them from believing the next one that comes down the pike. That's the situation they're in. The Bible talks about them being without hope and without God in this world. That's why. What's this, what, what is their hope? I mean, they are in the snare of the devil. He can, the Bible says he can take them at his will. I mean, it's easy. That's the condition they're in. That's what we need to look at and realize about the people of this world. And this is what it ought to do to us. Just being around them, now I'm not done, just being around them and listening to their conversation, seeing their children and watching them in their daily life will change your feelings toward them. That's what happened in Israel. You know, God said kill them all. They didn't do it. They left some of them. I mean, they they turned out to be good folks. You know, and they became friends. And their children intermarried. Then trouble started. They forsook God. That's what people do now when they're not born again. That's why the worldliness cannot be a thing that's tolerated and endorsed by the churches, by God's people. Somebody's got to cry out against it. Who's preaching against worldliness anymore? Well, because there's so much of it, nobody will say anything. Ain't no use. Preachers think ain't no use. It's too bad, I'll just... God will call me somewhere else. That's the way it happens. Do you ever notice that? When they'll stay there for two or three or four years and as long as everything's smooth sailing, they're happy. But as soon as the boat starts rocking, all of a sudden, they feel God's calling them somewhere else and off they go. They're a hireling. And a hireling flees when the wolf comes. That's what Jesus said, and he was right. When your feelings toward them change, then you begin to question the truth of God concerning them. 
What God tells Saul to do to those Amalekites? What did he tell them? Kill everything that breathes. Cattle. Everything. What did Saul do? He kept the best. What he deemed the best. The, the kind, just the stuff that he couldn't find anything wrong. He just couldn't see anything wrong with them. He saved them to sacrifice. Oh, baloney. He didn't save them to sacrifice. It wasn't even... as a lie. But he didn't see anything wrong with them. That's what happens to people nowadays that go to churches and say they're Christians. They, that's the way, that's the road to apostasy. That's the road out. It's the way they all leave. I've watched it for 40 years plus, And I know how it happens. You start associating with them. And then you start, then you're, then you start hating God's people. You dislike them more and more, and you like them people more and more. And you just transfer your affections over. And you slide out the back door. They go from the front pew to the middle to the back, and then out the door, and then they're gone. They go from Sunday night, Sunday, uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and whatever else is going on at church to just Sunday morning and Sunday night. Then pretty soon it's just Sunday morning. Then pretty soon it's nothing. And they're out there with the world. One of them. Identifying with them. God considers... Wait a minute, I've got three verses to read here. We're playing with fire when we open the world's doors of communications and influence to ourselves and our children. Now we can talk about a lot of different things there. There's a lot of different things besides TV and phones and internet and social media and all of that's included in it, but there's a lot of other things too. You can ban all of that stuff and if they want to if they want to open a line of community they can do it. You better believe it. What how do you think people connived and planned and worked together in their wickedness before there were phones or internet or any of that? You can still take a piece of paper and write on it. Yeah. You can get a note to somebody. Yeah. You can get a message to somebody. Yeah. Well, that's what they did. They've always done it. It's like the guns. It's not the gun that's the problem. It's the hearts of people. But there's a lot more danger in the communications we have now because it's so convenient and so accessible all the time. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Proverbs 6, 27. Proverbs... uh, I put that verse down twice now. Can he walk on hot coals is the next verse and not be burned. But I put the same verse twice. Copy, paste. I pasted the same thing. But it says, Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can a man walk on hot coals and his feet not burn? So he that goeth in to his neighbor's wife, whosoever touches her shall not be innocent. God considers worldliness to be spiritual adultery and and it's... And it is the sin that is always likened to apostasy in the Bible. You all realize that. Isaiah, Jeremiah, all the prophets. Hosea! Look back there and read about it. That's, that's how God told them how bad it was in His sight what they were doing. It works the same way with worldliness. James chapter 4, verse 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. 
Some foolish people would argue that if we loved God properly, the world would never win us over. Well, and, and our, so our insistence on being separate from the world just shows the insecurity we have in what we believe. And there's people sitting in church pews or seats and they, they think that kind of thinking. They're marvelous critical thinking. They're ungodly critical thinking. That's what they think. That's what they accuse. Well, if your love of God and your truth was so great that you wouldn't be so easily swayed. But the truth of the matter is that the danger is too great and the enemy too subtle and dishonest. The whole world lieth in wickedness and operates almost exclusively in lies and deceit. The whole world lieth in wickedness. Everything in the world is a lie. And it's dangerous. Would you test your marriage with such risky business? Would you be as open as you are with the worldly stuff? With the world and its education and its philosophies and its sages and its know-it-alls? Would you be as, as free in your marriage as you are with the world? You and God? I mean, how much of the Bible do you read and how much of the world's junk do you read? Think about it. Be honest in your heart about it. Would you, would you risk your children's lives by exposing them to people who would lie to them and offer them any pleasure they wanted? Would you say, my children love me and they won't do wrong. And then would you throw them out there by themselves to some stranger that will promise them everything and lie to them? You think they're, they're good enough they couldn't believe a lie? Would you, would you do that? Well, will you do it with yourself in the world? Will you listen to them? Will you take their advice? Will you, will you entertain their thoughts and philosophies and ideas? And especially when it comes to moral issues. Because that's where it leads, see? What is all this debate? Look at the world and how crazy and upside down. Look what we're, what we're debating now. Transgenders. Uh, UFOs. Schumer putting a bill through Congress to force the Congress to reveal all the secrets about the UFOs. You know, Megan talking about non-human intelligence and and sent. Uh, what do they call it? Sentient. That means having feelings alive. That's otherworldly. Not that's our government. That's what they're doing right now. Fixing to heft it on everybody. Big lie. How many is going to believe it? Everybody ain't listening in church. Going to believe it. If anybody in church is saying anything, warning about it. Take heed, lest you be deceived, Jesus said, about these last days. Could a person who loves God and truth and righteousness find pleasure and companionship among those who hate God and truth and righteousness? Could they? You see, Peter denied the Lord. Terrible thing. Terrible thing. That he stood there and denied the Lord. But was he of them? No. When the cock crowed, Peter turned. The Lord turned. Or Peter turned. And the Lord looked at him. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. He was not of the world. 
He was weak. He did not have the Holy Ghost living in him. He was not converted yet. But he was, he'd already been chosen. <laughs> How you want to take that? Jesus knew where he was going, what he was going to be. Peter didn't. Peter thought he did, but he didn't at that point. Demas forsook Paul in the ministry, in the work, while it's going on, because he loved this present world. Yeah, he was, he was afraid that he was going to get killed. So he counted his worldly friends more dear than Paul. Different thing. Different thing. So, can a per- how could a person who's walking in the light have any kind of desire to walk with those who are walking in darkness? How could you find fellowship with people who and companionship? I've never been able to. Now, I don't know how everybody else does it. But from the day that I gave my life to God and I was born again, I've not had a problem with people wanting to be my friend that are ungodly people. I don't have to fend them off. I don't have to watch it or they'll get too close to me. They stay clear. They stay clear of me. They'll say hi to me. They may respect me. They may think a lot of me, but they're not going to have much fellowship with me. So it's not a battle for me. And I don't understand how it can be such a battle for other people who sit in church that they just can't ever get past this thing. They're just always falling back into the world's ways. They're always picking up the world's habits and trends and fads and appearance and everything. Language. It irks me to hear people who's supposed to be Christians and living for God and being the light of the world talking their worldly talk. I just, I hate it. It's just like Peter cursing and denying the Lord. He cursed to convince them at that moment that he didn't know Jesus. That's how he did it. Talking dirty. We should have compassion on him. Jesus did. He always had compassion on him. He cared. That's what he came for was to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't come to drink with them and and joke with them and take part in their festivities and all of that like they did. No, He didn't do that. We should be a friend to them but not a friend of theirs. Do you understand? Be a friend to them. Jesus was a friend of sinners. Of sinners. Not of the world. He was a friend of sinners. They knew He would help them. That woman said, if I can just touch the hem of His garment, I know I'll be made whole. Jesus, thou Son of David, have mercy on me. Cried the louder. Because they knew if they could just get Him to look at them. If they could just get near Him. If they could just break the roof up and let him down, let their friend down close to him, he'd help him. They knew that about Jesus. They knew that he wasn't going to turn anybody away. Did he ever turn anybody away? That rich young ruler. People who, wouldn't, who didn't come in the right way. 
But anybody that sincerely sought Him, they ought to know that we care. And they ought to know that if they got a need, they could come to us. That we care. Now they ought to know that. They shouldn't think that we think they're so dirty that we couldn't have anything to do with them. That's broke my heart three or four times in the last year. People saying that, you know, we well, we didn't know if you'd even want us to come to church there, you know. What? If Jesus can touch a leper, and I don't believe He reached out and just... <laughs> I believe He did a lot more than that. He touched Him. Well, that was against the law. Wasn't supposed to do that. Well, the instant Jesus touched him, he didn't have leprosy no more. What about that? Yes. And he always did it on the Sabbath day. Yes. Every time he healed, it was just almost always. The Bible make, makes mention of the fact that it was the Sabbath day. I just like that about him. Yes. He hated fakery. And fake religion is bad as more than I do. We should be friend, be a friend to them and help them in their needs because Jesus did and He still does. And we should realize that God is not willing that they perish. And we shouldn't be willing that they perish either. That idea of putting them on an island and blowing it up and getting rid of all of them. No, that's as ungodly as you can possibly be. That is not God. God don't laugh at your calamity either. He don't mock when your fear cometh. That's not God. You can't make that God. It's not the context of what it says there. It's wisdom does that to the fool and the sinner that won't repent. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believed in Him should not perish. That's all God's about. Is that whoever, whosoever will may come. He don't want anybody to perish. A bunch are going to perish. Most are going to perish. But it's not God's will. It's not God's desire. When a soul is lost, who's lost? God lost. His life, part of His life was in them. It's lost. Their fellowship, their communion forever is lost. So He don't want them to perish. We should realize that God's not willing. It ought to break our heart to realize they're perishing and we ought to weep over that fact and do whatever we can to get them to the light. But we must never put ourselves in a position or a place where their influence over us is greater than ours over them. You go down on the street to preach and if you can't be heard, then you better just stop. Because if, if you give them a platform to holler louder than you do, you're doing more harm to the cause than you are good. If you go to preach in a jail and you can't preach to them because they're making so much racket and protesting and, and yelling their theme and themes and beliefs, and then don't do it. 
you're going to preach to them, make sure you preach and they listen. If you're going to be anywhere where they're at, make sure that your presence has more influence over them than what they're doing has over you. Well, do that at home. Do that at the computer. Do that at the phone. Do that at the books you read. Do that with everything. Recognize its source. Where's this wisdom coming from? Warfare, you better be wise to who's the information you're getting or the misinformation you're getting. In war, that's one of the big items is misinformation. You make them think something that's not really true. That's how you defeat them. The devil's good at it. He knows how to make war against our souls. He knows how to make war against God's churches. He, he does a real good job of it. I don't know what in the world it would ever take to wake people up to realize what being a friend of the world really is. I could preach on and on and on and on. You can see when somebody gets around the world, you can see it. It's just all over them. It's just like a, a, I don't know, it's like an aroma they, they put off. It, you can see it in their face, in their countenance. You can see it in, you can hear it in their talk. You can feel it in their spirit. You can see it in their outward appearance because they start adorning themselves of the world. They don't see nothing wrong with this. They don't see nothing wrong with that. Nothing's too bad. Nothing's too out of line. Nothing. What's wrong with it? That's their theme. What's wrong with it? What's right about it? Won't you ask that question? How would God feel about this? All right, I've got to quit. Amen. What's wrong with being worldly? Have any idea? Are you worldly? How much world does the world have? Influence does the world have over you? In your thinking. I'm not asking you how good you look, how prim and proper you are, how strict you are about everything. That's not what I'm asking you. I'm asking you how much does the influence does the world have over your mind, your thoughts? You that love the Lord, hate evil. If you're lukewarm in this matter, what does the Bible say Jesus does to the church to lay out his sins? Spews them out of his mouth. Can't stand it. Be hot or be cold. Get in or get out. Get on or get off. Don't be a... <laughs> There's a place now in the modern church for worldly Christians. And for carnal Christians. Billy Mitchell said that if there's a worldly Christian, then there has to be such a thing as a heavenly devil. Because it makes just as much sense. Father, thank you for the Word of God. pray you'd help us to think on these things, apply them in our life. Help us, Lord, to be separate from the world. Please alert us to the fact that you're a jealous God and that it grieves you when we're flirting with the enemy. And the enemy has all of the world under his control. That we would believe his lies. That we would listen to his flattery. That we would be taken in by his charms. And develop desires for things that offend you. That are blasphemous against the cause of Christ and against Christ. Help us, Lord, I pray. 
to walk circumspectly and not as fools. Help us to be alert and, and discerning about the things that we allow in our life, the people we allow to influence us, the things that we listen to and, and consider that come from the darkness. Please help us, Lord. Let's keep our minds stayed on Thee, our eyes in Your book, our, our spirit yielded to You. Please help us. Help these folks to understand what I'm trying to get across tonight in this truth in Jesus' name. Amen.